The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Hello, I'm Jasper Perry, the producer for The Masculine Journey. Our team wasn't able to make it into the studio this week to record a new episode, so instead we've picked out some of our personal favorite segments from previous episodes for you to listen to today. Please enjoy the best of The Masculine Journey. Why would, in your mind, hope be a pillar in The Masculine Journey? You know, why is that one that we need to have in order to really go on this journey in a way that we need to as Christian men. Well, I can go back to uh, our intro there. I was just listening to Ernie do that intro, and he's talking about, you know, how do we how do we fight this battle when it seems like it's a losing battle at times? How do we walk through this life? Well, if we don't have hope, it's going to be tough to do that. And in God's Word, you know, we see example after example that life is not easy, Having faith in God doesn't mean that you have an easy path. So where do you where where do you go with that if you don't have some hope? You 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 land in despair, you land in depression, you have all these things that can happen. So it's it's kind of that light mm-hmm. to me of this is how I can walk through this day with the hope of with the hope of eternity, with the hope that Christ is always uh with me in all this, with the hope of my brothers with me. So that's kind of what I hear in that. Good. Thank you, Robbie. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't mean to sound surprised. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. things where, yeah, I can have faith. God's going to come through in this. It's, it's going to work out the way, you know, God's going to win in the end. I've read the end of the book. But, man, I don't know about my own, you know, situation. And, and so, you know, that's not very attractive when you look at somebody that's not got hope for something that they want, you know, mm-hmm. to work through, which is kind of a good setup for Hitch, you know. It is. It is. <laughs> so but, I knew he was going to set up that one. Yeah, and, and we'll set that up in just a second. You know, for me, I would say the reason I know that hope has to be a pillar is because it's the thing that's most often attacked from the enemy. Mm. Right. He, he comes after my hope, and if it's that important for him to take it, how much more important does it, do I need to have it? And, and so that's, for nothing else in my life, I look at what's attacked the most, and it's hope in one form or another. Yeah. Now let's pick up our friend in Hitch. Robbie, you want to set this scene <laughs> up a little bit? Yeah, Hitch is a movie where essentially he's the date doctor, and he's coming across the King of Queens. What's what's this? Kevin uh, James. Kevin James. Kevin James. Yeah, it's Will and, Smith. Yeah. And he is trying to date a girl that's way, way, way out of his league. And... The interesting thing about it is, for him, it's something really worth hoping for. But it's so attacked, like you talked about, that he himself doesn't even believe it can happen. And he keeps trying to walk away from Hitch, who points out that, wow, you know, you you really have something worth hanging on to here. Oh, she's single because I don't do breakups. Hi. Hey, thank you for seeing me. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, she just got out of a relationship. Is that a problem? Because if it is, it's fine. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with this anyway, you know. Definitely 
been hurt a lot, you know. I had a lot of bad experiences. Some good ones. You know, definitely a lot of bad ones. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm desperate, <laughs> basically. I mean, not in general, you understand? You know, not just for anybody, but, man, for her. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell me about her? Oh. All right, well, let's see. What can I say? My company handles her finances. I'm our tax consultant. Well, I'm one of them. I'm the junior man on the account. So does she know you're interested? Oh, no, no. No. Alive? I lent her my pen once. Allegra, as in Allegra Cole. Yeah, you know, I realize that I'm not her usual type. Well, her last boyfriend, like, owned Sweden or something. Yeah, and the guy was a bum. I, I, he just, he didn't seem like a very nice person to me. <laughs> you swing for defense. <laughs> okay, look, 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 look. You don't think I tried talking myself out of this? I mean, you don't think I know how ridiculous this is? I, I know, okay? I just thought that maybe I, with your help, I just... You know what? I'm really sorry I wasted your time. Hold on a second there, Albert. You know what it's like getting up every morning, feeling hopeless, feeling like the love of your life is waking up with the wrong man, but at the same time, hoping that she still finds happiness, even if it's never gonna be with you? You are flat out out of your mind. You know that? Yeah. That's good. It is? Good. You ever heard of Michelangelo? Yeah. Heard of Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Michelangelo. Sistine Chapel. <laughs> so, Robbie, you'd pick that clip. And, and so what about, you know, Albert's situation really spoke to you and how we view hope. Yeah, well, that verse in in 1 Peter 3, where it that, you know, says always be ready f- to give the reason for the hope that's within you, mm-hmm. Albert's hope is really attractive. And and that's why, that's why Will Smith is willing to take it on, because you can see that he is swinging for the fence. I mean, he's really hoping for something that is real love, that's real intimacy, in other, in, and it's and it's very attractive. Of course, you can see completely how it's under attack and how he would love to walk away from it because he doesn't want to get hurt again. He doesn't want to get buried. But it's really cool for me to see somebody with that kind of hope. And, you know, where does that come from? Yeah, it's obviously been laid on his heart so much that he can't walk away from it. Yeah. You know, when it, when it would make sense to walk away potentially from where he was. Dennis, what about that clip? Was there anything in it that kind of spoke to you? Well, other than the music got very hopeful there <laughs> as soon as he started talking about Michelangelo. It's, you know what's interesting about that is that uh, when I kept looking at the definition of hope and was talking to some other people about it, we kept coming back to this word expect or expectation, that with hope there's an expectation of something happening or someone coming into your life. Now, he doesn't sound like he was quite there, but where the Hitch character was taking him was that maybe he was at a place where he could expect something good to happen. And that hopeful expectation really is something that I don't know that we see it that way all the time when it really is. There's a, a there's when we expect for healing or we expect uh, an eternity for us with God together, you know, that that's uh, 
that's some, that's taking it an entirely different place, I think, than what people would normally think of as hope. Exactly. It, hope is one of those words that's kind of in our language like love. You know, I love potato chips, which is different than, you know, loving my kids. But hope, you know, I, I hope that I get this for Christmas. I hope that I catch that light up there, you know, and I get to go through it. That's not the type of hope we're really talking about. It's this deeper hope. And, and I don't even now have the words to describe what that is. I think mm-hmm. you did a good job of, of talking about that. But it's hope in something deep and great and, and something God has to be involved in. A picture I read about this morning, and I'd never heard this, but Vinny's going to like this. Um, uh, the man who Michelangelo was that re- re- painted the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. He'd had a horrible argument with some, you know, other artist. And apparently it was just so bitter and so that he was starting the picture of the Last Supper. And so what he did to show revenge on this guy for eternity was he painted Jesus, Judas with this guy's face. <laughs> he painted his face on Judas, and he's, you know, and everybody sees it. And he, faint, he painted Judas's face before he painted anybody else's face and everybody could see what he'd done. But then he went to paint Jesus' face, and he couldn't paint it, and he couldn't paint it, and he couldn't paint it, until finally he had to get with God and, and get forgiveness. He scratched out what he had had on Judas's face, and the painting blanked it off, and then he was able to paint Jesus, because when you're holding on to that bitter root, there's no way you can also be seeing the face of Jesus. You know, a lot of people see God as this big, mighty smoter in the sky. Smiter of the smite. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, there's no doubt that there's a place for reverence, and don't get me wrong, but there's also a place for play. And, and what does that look like in our lives as we actually become friends with God, and sometimes he begins to play with you, and you, and you find yourself essentially the butt of one of his jokes? Yeah, you know, but it's it's not a painful one. You know, that's that's a good thing. It's not typically a painful one. It's a teaching moment or just something that just makes you just out and out laugh. Now, growing up, now I'm not quite as old as some of you guys, um, but growing up, the first movie that I remember that had God in it was actually the movie we're going to play a clip from, which is Oh God with George Burns. And so that was the first time I remember God having a character in a movie other than, you know, Burning Bush on the yeah, yeah. Yeah, type thing. And so, Robbie, why don't you go ahead and set up a little bit on this clip so we can listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. God has transitioned in Hollywood over the last three decades that most of the time now you'll find him is, is a pretty funny character. And in this particular case is George Burns. He is visiting John Denver, not Bob. He's not yeah. visiting Gilligan. He's visiting John Denver. Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. John Denver. And, and he's visiting him on an AM radio. Inside of a 1976 Pacer. Now, not, I know not people, a lot of people would know that, but I know it. And it's amazing to me that God would show up in a Pacer like he does. But in order to enjoy the clip completely, you might note that there's a motorcycle. And you can hear that in the background. And at the end of the clip, this guy in this motorcycle is looking over at Bob Denver like, you are losing your mind. John Denver. Not John. Not Gillian. <laughs> and the good news is, God bails him out in a funny way. He does. Jerry, you want me to talk louder? Oh, God. 
I thought you didn't believe in me. Uh, that's just an expression. I'm more than that, and I want you to spread the word. Me? Spread what word? That I am. I exist. That we've spoken. You want me to tell people that I've spoken with God? Yes. They'll put me away. I'm tired of all the talk that I made me dead and that I never was at all. Or that God was just particles of cosmos. Gas. I'm not gas. I found that very insulting. Do you actually expect people to, to believe? That's, that's your job. But I, I'm just a man. I, 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 I'm no Moses. What was Moses? You think Moses was born on page one? Moses was just a messenger. My messenger. Well, look, God, if, uh, if, if, if I tell people that, 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 I mean, that I spoke with God, that... And now an oldie but a goodie, Jerry Gray and String of Pearls. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, I would, you were an AMC guy. I was just going to say, if you've ever, you know, ridden in a pacer for long, you probably were praying. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Yeah, it's a little fishbowl. Yeah, it was. Thing. Yeah, if that you have a, if you don't know what it is, go on YouTube and or not YouTube. Go on Google and Google it, and uh, you'll get a laugh. It was a very funny car back in his day. But Robbie, you you picked that clip, and so what was it about that clip that really kind of spoke to you on it? Well, this concept of playing is is, and anybody that knows me knows I I love to laugh, and the sense of God playing like that, and and realizing that sometimes. He shows up in in really strange times and places, and has strange requests, and and it's and it's like that. And you can find yourself um, just laughing at, "Wow, how did I get here? How did this happen?" Now, Jim, you you're right. Jim, you talked about a point about God having a sense of humor when we were before the show. And what was your your point that you're making about God having a sense of humor? Well, when I was young. I had God in a fairly small box. You know, God is love. And I was trying to date a Southern Baptist girl in a very conservative church, and the only places I could date her were at school or at church. So I went to church with her, and I heard the pastor doing the hellfire and damnation, and he was telling what I considered little kids. I was 16. They were 10 or 11 or 12. Now, you may be going to hell your or your parents may be going to hell your brother and sister may be going to hell but you have to decide right now you're not and i got furious i walked out of the church and i literally swore to god i would never step foot in another southern baptist church about 35 years after that uh, i was ordained as a southern baptist minister (laughs) So don't tell God what you're not going to do, because he'll figure out a way to, in a fun way, make it happen. Hi, this is Sam with Mask on Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way, you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com, where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to 
P.O. Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. It's a masculine journey, advanced boot camp, advanced freedom, advanced healing, advanced walk with Jesus. If you've attended two or more masculine journey boot camps or ransom heart boot camps, then you qualify for this advanced boot camp. Talk about advanced adventure. This camp is at treetop adventures on Lake Hickory, including aquatic sky boots. You could be flying on water. Coming up this August 17th through 19th, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org and register today. I still get chills hearing that song and that song came out guys in 1970 i can't even remember the 45 because the flip single the flip side for simon and garfunkel was a song called keep the customer satisfied just to show you that i actually had that 45 and listened <laughs> to it but i remember jim you were talking about a church out in charlotte i think where someone sang that song in church and how it related to yeah, we think using modern music was actually i was part of that when i was in high school yeah we had a very progressive uh, minister of music and he wanted to get contemporary so yeah. we were singing that and a couple others in i want to say it, i thought it was earlier than that but in mm. the late 60s early 70s yeah. in church and i had a, a, a presbyterian church yeah no less. and i was at main street baptist in kernersville here in the triad back a few years ago and my buddy pastor mike willard he was doing a sermon series. He asked me to sing that song. And I said, you know, I love that song. I've never sung it in church. And I actually did it. And what the message God gave me to start, I said, I want you to close your eyes and listen to this song and imagine God singing this song to you and the feelings that we get. And Wayne, the, the word didn't come of, of intimacy necessarily, but it was, it was, I, there was someone that came up to me. Actually, we have another pastor, Mike G that's been part of our boot camps before his dad came up to me, and his dad was in the Vietnam War back in the late 60s, and he came up to me and he said, you know, I heard that song over and over and over, but I never heard it in that way before. I never heard it as a song where God is saying to me, I will lay me down for you. You know, I will love you and take care of you. And, Wayne, that's really uh, really part and parcel of that whole intimate relationship with God. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. Um, one of the things he's recently told me since giving me this word was this upper room intimacy. Um, whenever you look at uh, Jesus going to the upper room with uh, the disciples, um, it's a place where he brings us into the most intimate of conversations. Um, you know, you see John leaning in on his bosom, so close, so so full of love for one another, and um, even. Even going into the betrayal, um, he goes into telling them about the betrayal, and he goes into telling them all these things that are that are going to happen, and, and and telling them what they need to do, and then showing them an example of what it looks like to serve one another and to love one another. Yeah. Um, there's so much there if you'll draw close to them. God is the one that restores your heart, without a doubt. He is the restoration person. 
but he also gives us the um i don't i don't know how i'd want to say it just the 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 honor the privilege the uh the adventure to walk with him sometimes in being involved with that and with someone else but then god also puts people in our lives that helps us along the path of restoration you know he'll put someone in our life for a season maybe a moment and it's a it's a changer it may not be for your whole lifetime changer but it's a moment changer or it starts you down a path that leads to that big change that God's going to do. And today we're going to talk a little bit about when God brings other people into your life to help you restore your heart. You know, and the, initially when we're setting down to talk about it, it was like, well, let me think about it. And the more we talk, the more stories kind of came alive. No, oh, yeah. I mean, when I really look back at it, and I have to be brutally honest with myself to say, Wow, Robbie was extremely arrogant. You know, here I was, a Christian radio host, and I was, you know, thought I was under the teaching of, you know, David Jeremiah and Charles Stanley and all these things. And here comes Darren and Sam, and I, <laughs> you know, they invite me to a boot camp. I go. It's kind of like, yeah, I want to take part in your event, but I didn't really expect to have any expectation that it would so radically change my walk with Christ, so radically bring the healing that it's brought into my life, so radically bring life and bring my heart back. But, um, you know, and, 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 and Sam and Darren and, and Vinny and Andy were sitting across, you know, all, everybody's had a role in, you know, the stories because as you watch other people begin to get freedom, you know, when you hear their story of this is how it happened for me, you relate to pieces of that and you begin to go, not only do you want that, but you begin to see how God could come for you in that and, and how to ask him to walk with you. Absolutely. And just as you were pointing out, sometimes it's an unlikely source like Darren and I. <laughs> uh, but There's all these things that come up into your life. As Robbie says, you got to build a mantle and you got to get on top of it and ride it. Ride it to where he wants to take you. And for me... He's taken me a long way. I mean, heck, I'm 85. What do I got to complain about? Yeah, Sam, there's a lot of control issues there, which I think you... you, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me, it, it, and we can talk, talk biblically, which we always want to reference back to the Bible, but th- that is a book of examples. You know, and those things are mirrored in movies. It's mirrored in our lives, and that's what draws us to those movies is there's something true in some of them, not all of them, but there's some truth in them that, that, that draws us to them. For me, you know, I was married uh, for a lot of years to a really good woman. Uh, we had some issues that we really couldn't move around. And I, I began to believe along the way that the answer to it was for me to love her better. Now, I did need to love her better when I initially, you know, felt that way. And God told me, you need to love her better. But then that became, you know, if I love her better, I can fix all these issues. I can fix her issues. I can fix my issues. And along the way, I just began to feel like, okay, if I don't do it, it won't get done. I didn't walk with God closely through it like I should have. As a matter of fact, he told me to do some things that I had a trouble doing. You know, in every marriage, there's opportunities to forgive each other for things. You know, and he was calling on me to forgive, and I just really struggled on it. You know, and had I probably listened to him, it may have been a different outcome. But you know what What, it, what happened was I didn't walk with him through it, and I had all this control trying to think I could handle it. And on the back side of it, the really cool thing that I found was just some real freedom 
of the pressure that I'd internally put on myself. You know, I lived with this feeling that I could control of it, and if I could be better, I could do better, I could just work harder, then everything would be okay. And when it wasn't, and I was relieved of that, wow, just peace and freedom on the backside of that, of something I built. You know, no one else did that. Maybe the enemy influenced it. But I built that. And God said, no, i got to dismantle that in you. It's not healthy. Now, Robbie, you kind of had some of that peace as well as you went through some things, didn't you? Oh, man, when I lost, you know, the dealership, the second part of the story, you know, it was horrific for my family and watching all these things happen and, you know, no money and all the things that went with that. But it didn't take me long to realize I was having a recurring nightmare that I had to sell more cars. I had to sell more cars. I had to sell more cars. And I had to meet this quota. And I had to, (laughs) you know, get Chrysler happy. And I had to, and I would wake up in these horrible sweats, but there was no dealership anymore, but the pressure was still there. And it became obvious to me the idols that I'd built and the, and the, the things that I had thought were tremendously important that were just illusions, (laughs) totally illusions. And, and the point of freedom is well, at least I woke up to, you know, I was not, I'm still have the nightmares actually to this day every once in a while, Sam, but at least I can wake up and say, Hey, I'm not in that anymore. And I, I don't even want to think how that would have shortened my life or shortened my joy or shortened what I had in life based on the pressures that I had put on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's people that are in the car business that are completely adapt to that and the, and, but it was just not, it wasn't who I was and God knew it. And the really cool thing is when you walk with him, the disruption's going to happen. If you've lived your life this far and you haven't had disruption, I want to talk to you. Because <laughs> you know? as Jim said, I don't know anybody that that's not been the case. If you haven't lived through dismantling, yeah, if you haven't, it's coming. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's coming. But you know you've felt that. But the key is to walk with God through it because on the backside, Robbie, you find freedom, right? And you find peace and you find passion, and you find a life that you didn't know was there. I know that's been the story for me, for Jim, for Vinny, for Robbie, for everybody that we know that the key is walking through God, with God through it because it is a good thing. Whether he caused it or life caused it, he can make good from it if you just walk through it with him. So no matter where you are today, turn to him and say, God, I know a disruption's coming. I know dismantling's coming. I know it's in the midst of it if I can't see it, but I trust you and I'll let you lead me through it. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org to listen to past podcasts or to register for the boot camp. Talk to you next week.